This podcast contains graphic content and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. (laughs) Hey guys, it's Kayla. It's Katie. And you're listening to Murder, Mayhem, and and Merlot. October edition. Yeah. Are you feeling the spooky vibes? Oh, I am. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It is. And it is. It is. It's the time time I feel most alive. I was listening to Full Body Chills on the way over here with the windows cracked. Shout out to Ashley Flowers for giving us that. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to a podcast called Unobscured. And if you're not like a huge history lover, you probably wouldn't like it. But I think it's great. And I've listened to a whole season on the Salem Witch Trials, which Which, is in of itself is, you know. And we're going to Salem next year. We are. So you got to listen to it before we go. Because he very eloquently gives you the whole rundown, the whole drama. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. And he has historians come on there. It's great. And I highly suggest... Everyone, if you, you know, if you're interested in that stuff, definitely go listen to it. I learned new things I didn't know about it. Um, and Locke, for instance, one of the women who was accused, her name was Sarah Good. And right before she was hung, the reverend came around and was like, just confess. You're already going to die. Just confess. And she said, I am no more a witch than you are. She said, if you kill me today, God will give you blood to drink. And when that reverend died in 1717, I think that's when it was, he had a brain hemorrhage, which means he probably choked on his own blood. Mm -hmm. And that just gave me literally full body chills (laughs) when I heard that. And I was like, that is poetic justice. Truly. It is. It is. Very fitting. Yeah. So anyways, I just went on a little... We'll change it there, but I've been real interested in that podcast. So, <laughs> see, Katie and I, we we listen to all sorts of stuff. We so. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but what spooky shit you got for us today? Well, speaking of the seventeen hundreds, whip it back. <laughs> <laughs> I am doing Rotherwood Mansion, which is Ratcher and Kingsford. Ratcher. It's like a mile away from my apartment complex. Yes, it is. You know, you grow up. Hearing about Rotherwood. Oh, yeah. It's and, one I mean, of those that you, if you lived here as a kid, you heard all the ghost stories. Yeah. It's, and, it's all, it's in all the local, like, history, ghost, like, haunting stories that come out. Mm-hmm. It's literally just, you just pass it on a daily, all the time. like, you probably you, pass like, it on a daily basis, but you just pass it just. Yeah. And, I mean, you don't think about it when you pass mm-hmm. it because you heard about it when you were a kid. So, you're like. Eh, it's always been there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. so it's weird to see like all these people that don't live here writing these like articles about how horrifying it is. And it's this big, beautiful mansion. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, it is beautiful. It is. It yeah. is pretty. But I'm like, they're like, it's ginormous. And I'm like, you should see the houses in the neighborhood behind it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you thought that was ginormous. Wait till you see them fucking things. Like, mm-hmm. But Rotherwood Mansion, whipping it back to the 1700s. Go bring it way back. Bring it way back. Rotherwood Mansion is located in Kingsport, Tennessee. 
on the banks of the Holston River. The land was inherited by Frederick Ross in the 1700s. And, a little fun fact, um, my dad grew up in Ross Campground, mm-hmm. and that was established by the Ross family, obviously. Yep. And Ross Campground Church is where my family used to attend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Until the preachers started playing games. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, the land that was owned spanned from Virginia to Bays Mountain, which I never realized how much land that they owned. I knew that it was like all of this part of like established Kingsport pretty much. I didn't know it went all the way to like Bays Mountain and Virginia. I didn't know it spanned that that far, but learned something new every day. It was built in three separate parts. The North Third was built around 1818. The South House was built about two years later. And then the two were later joined in the middle in 1845. And you can kind of see the two sections on the side when you look at pictures of it in the front and then see like where it was conjoined in the middle. It's mostly made of brick on the outside except for the white columns aside the front steps and the white windows. On top of the columns sits like a little small walkout balcony that exhibits a beautiful view of the river below. It has a long gravel driveway on the side that comes from Netherland Inn and a graveyard in the back behind the mansion. And the stories that come with this mansion, while they talk about ghosts and stuff, let me just say, are so fucking sad. (laughs) This place just has a sad history. So, given the times, Frederick did own slaves that worked on his land and inside the mansion. But also in that time, Frederick was considered one of the least cruel slave owners. Which, I don't know that that's the word that you should use because he still owned other people. Right. Um, So it is cruel in itself, but for their situation they got a better dealt a better hand than most other slaves in other areas he was cruel but not like he was cruel for owning them but he wasn't cruel in like punishments towards them or anything like that like they had housing they were fed Mm -hmm. they were able to be bathed and stuff like that which is such a low bar like we're not it is we're not we're not not, i'm not saying that i'm speaking of their time like them versus other slaves and what's to come of a slave owner with this place later Mm -hmm. they they got dealt the better hand. Okay. Not a good hand, but the better one. Okay. Um, like I said, he didn't, like, punish the slaves or anything. He didn't, like, brutally beat slaves and stuff like that. And his daughter, Rowena Ross, was, like, super-duper loved by the slaves. I reckon she was just, like, their friend, pretty much. Um, she was known to be very, very kind from the time that she was a child up into her adulthood. Rowena had dark chestnut hair and a beautiful pale complexion and she was known not only for her beauty but for her kind and warm personality and she brings us to our first haunting rowena was to be married when she came of age to a man that she said was her true love with the whole family excited about their daughter's engagement frederick built the house parallel to the first home to be for rowena and her family so that's where that second south wing came from it was supposed to be hers and her family's Rowena's house was almost completely white when it was finished, but Rowena and her fiancé would never get to live in the house because only a couple of weeks after its completion, it burned completely to the ground. And that's why it is brick today. It was white and then burnt to a crisp. Oh, wow. Which I never knew. No, I didn't know that either. On Rowena's wedding day in celebration, the groom and a few of his friends loaded into a small boat and went fishing in the river. They got married at the mansion, of course. Because when your dad owns a mansion, you're going to get married there. You know? Right. I mean. <laughs> As Rowena watched, the boat capsized and all of the men, 
attempted to try to swim and get themselves above water. Three of the four men survived, and the one and only death was that of Rowena's husband. They never found his body, ever. So he's probably still in the river somewhere, if we're being frank. This, of course, sent Rowena into a severe depression for many, many years. In her state of mind, Rowena would sit upstairs in her room alone all day and just stare down at the river. Did they, like, I guess he just didn't know how to swim? Like, in so, like, it may have been that. A lot of people in these articles would talk about how heavy the current was. Mm. And it, the Holston can get that way if it's rained heavily. It can, it like, can right, get that way. right under the bridge there. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? So, it can get that way. <laughs> it also was probably a lot deeper back then than it is now. That's true. So, and he may not have known how to swim. After around two years, Rowena came back out into society and met a wealthy man from Knoxville, Tennessee. She was engaged once more and married the man. Soon, Rowena and her now husband had a daughter together. After six years happily married and with their only daughter, Rowena finally seemed to be able to be happy. But she always felt deep inside that she was missing something. One afternoon, while visiting her father at the mansion, from outside by the river, Rowena heard her true love's voice calling for her. Rowena had already told some people that she thought that she had seen him outside of the house. But when she heard his voice calling, she ran out to see if it was him. And there, standing in the river, he waved at her. Rowena waited until nightfall while everyone in the house slept to sneak away to him. She found her old wedding dress that she wore on their wedding day, slipped it on, and made her way down to the bank into the river. She walked barefoot into the river until she was completely underneath the water. She held herself under until she stopped breathing. She was finally going to be with her true love. Many people since then have reported seeing a beautiful woman in a white gown roaming the grounds near the river or floating on top of the river. People have also said that they have heard her crying in the middle of the night, and then you look out and you see her walking on top of the river. After Rowena's suicide, her father Frederick chose to sell the mansion and land after several bad business investments and the depression that followed his daughter's suicide. And then he sold it to his then-bookkeeper, Joshua Phipps, or as I have called him, Dick Phipps, because he's a dick. Before the sale was finalized, Frederick freed as many of the slaves as he possibly could. Most of the slaves, after being freed, made their way to Zion Hill in Hawkins County, which is like, I think Zion Hill's like on like the Rogersville, Sigournsville city line, pretty much. They established themselves and they made their own homes. And some of the descendants still live down there. And a lot of other um, descendants of slaves moved to New Canton. And that is, New Canton is mostly still made up of the those descendant family members. Okay. Frederick freed the slaves because he knew of Joshua's manner towards slaves and just people in general. Phipps was mean and cruel to the slaves on the plantation, even just as the bookkeeper, which I'm like, why the fuck? Like, you're the bookkeeper, my guy. I wonder, I mean, Phipps, I don't know how um, common of a last name Phipps was back then, but it's very interesting, and I'm bringing this up again, and I'm sorry, but the governor of Massachusetts at the time of the um, Salem witch trials was Governor Phipps. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I'm and just, there's Phipps Band around here. Yeah, so I'm just curious. Yeah. I'll have to look that up later. If yeah, he's like a, a, lot of if the he's like a descendant here, of him or something. Yeah, a lot of the names in here, you're going to be like, I know that guy. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, yeah, around here. John yeah. B. Dennis. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody knows him. <laughs> Everybody knows him. That's just a very. He lived there. 
<laughs> he, he's got a whole highway. Yeah, he's got a whole highway he's got a here, whole y'all. Highway. And it's just so funny because we say it every day. I'm, I'm getting on John B. I'm getting on John B. Dennis. I'm getting, I'm getting on John B. Me, I always say, I'm just getting on John I'm, That's what most people say. I'm getting on John B. Yeah. Phipps was known to be evil in his treatment of the slaves, and it was said by the townspeople that hell was unleashed the day that Joshua became the owner of Rotherwood Mansion. Oh, shit. Yeah. So um, he was an absolute flaming fucking turd. Joshua began his own renovations of the mansion. He added slave cells in the basement that were dirt walls and floors, no window, and the only opening was the door, and it was just iron bars. Great guy. The slaves that worked in the fields were all forced into one cell together at night time to sleep, so there would be around 10 to 20 people in one cell that was probably about the size of this room. And we ain't in a big room, guys. We ain't. We're in a, pretty much a closet, almost. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like a walk-in closet. hmm Yeah. He also added a whipping post on the wall on the third floor. One of the children, whose mother was a slave cook at the time that Phipps took ownership of the mansion, her name was Virgilia Ellis, and she went by Jill, spoke to Douglas Alumni Blog about her time as a child slave at Rotherwood under Joshua's ownership. She spoke of the slave cells and having to hear the crying and moaning of the slaves from the cell when she would have to go downstairs and retrieve canned food for her mother because it was kept in the basement, obviously. She also spoke about the whipping post on the third floor. And about the post and the whipping room, she said, quote, In the front room of the third floor facing the river was the whipping post. Slaves were shackled to the post to be whipped. The blood stains are still embedded into the wood floors of that room. During days of heavy moisture, the wood would expand and the bloodstains would show up again. Jill also explained that if a slave was beaten to the point of being mutilated, that he or she would be shot due to them no longer being able to be of use on the grounds. So they would beat he or she so bad and then just kill them. Yeah, he's a... Mm-hmm. He's a real dickwad. And I have a whipping post inside of a, a home. Mm-hmm. That's... Because most of them throughout history were outside. Mm-hmm. This man was like, I want to be human beings in the comfort of my own home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Neighboring houses near the mansion would report hearing the slaves screaming so loud when he would beat them that it would echo through the mountains around the mansion. Joshua was married three times, and he kept himself a little mistress that was a slave after his third wife. Um, She was mixed. She was half white and half black, but she was kept a slave. But because of her being his mistress, she got a lot of special treatment. And because she got special treatment, she took that upon herself to be cruel to the other slaves, even though she was one. Mm. Yeah. Um, She would help with the beatings and the punishments. She would tell on them if they did something bad, which would result in them being beaten. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, that was probably maybe some survival instincts. Because let's be real. Yes. Yeah, she was a mistress, but it wasn't consensual. And because there's a power, you know, play there. And it may have just been part of her survival. On the same end, I'm like, because she would like beat them in their quarters and stuff. And just to add to Joshua's um, super great personality, he asked for a request for whenever he died. He asked his Aunt Vic Phipps, that when he died, if they would bury him standing straight up in the graveyard that's at the top of the hill behind the mansion, 
so that he would always be able to look down and watch the slaves work on the grounds. Well, joke's on you, motherfucker. Yep. We abolished that. Yep. So, eat a dick. Yep. To note, remember, he said this to his aunt. His aunt was a black woman and a former slave herself. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. This man was not a straight-up white man. Okay. Enjoy. (laughs) Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. After a couple of years under Joshua's ownership, Joshua's daughter, Priscilla, fell in love with one of the farmhands. It did not say in any reports whether he was black or white, but I am completely assuming that it was a black slave that worked on the land. Because let's be real, you're not going to hire a white guy at that time when you already own slaves and have to pay him to do work. Mm -hmm. So it never said, but I'm assuming that the farmhand was a slave. Okay. Joshua did not like this. So when Priscilla's lover was sent into the Battle of Fort Henry, some people call it the Battle of Kingsport, Joshua had him killed by one of the men on their own side during the battle. He then told his daughter, Priscilla, that he had had her lover murdered by one of their own and told her why he did it, just because he didn't like him and he didn't want her to be with him. So I got him murdered. Priscilla passed away after some months... After falling into a deep depression, she had stopped socializing and stopped eating, which eventually led to her death. She was 20 years old. In the summer of 1861, Joshua mysteriously fell ill. He had a very high fever, and he never made any sense when he spoke. He was probably hallucinating, and they just didn't know what it was. Everyone that was still living on the grounds was afraid to catch whatever it was that he had. So he was quarantined in the carriage house, but not completely alone. Of course, none of the, you know, fancy white people lived in the house. They were like, I don't want to get it. So what was their solution? Put a slave in there with him. Um, The slave was a little boy. He was a child. And they put him in the room full time to take care of Joshua. After days of fighting his illness, the high fever took him and he died. But no doctors could explain his sudden illness and death. But according to the boy that was in Joshua's room, he didn't just die. He didn't just lay there and pass away. The child said that one afternoon, he was fanning Joshua's face because it was hot that day and he had a fever when suddenly Joshua's eyes popped open and started moving rapidly around the room. And then just suddenly out of nowhere, stopped and stared right over the top of the boy's head out the window. This scared the shit out of the the child, so he screamed. And then he stopped screaming because he heard this intense buzzing sound. And out of nowhere, he said hundreds of flies flooded the room. He said that they kept coming and hundreds turned into thousands. And then they all at once descended onto Joshua's face. He said they started flying and crawling in his ears, his eyes, his nose, his mouth said you could see them going down his throat and the poor little boy was just petrified as would anyone be he watched as joshua took his last buzzing and rattling breaths the boy said that his death rattle just sounded like buzzing the boy ran to go get the doctor of course and when they all returned the room was completely void of any flies not not a single fly was found But Joshua's face was left with his eyes and mouth wide open with a terrified look on his face. I felt that was a fitting death. Uh, Yeah. I hope that's what happened. I hope he didn't just lay there and pass away. I hope hope it was what the child said. 
That's yeah. just me. <laughs> a couple days later, the funeral was held for Joshua Phipps. The casket was supposed to be pulled by two large workhorses up to the cemetery at the top of the hill. After everyone had arrived for the funeral, a storm could be seen coming in. The wind picked up and the skirts of the women blew, but that wasn't all that moved. The black cloth that covered Phipps' casket began to move ever so slightly. Some of the people believed that it was not the wind that was moving it, but instead it was Phipps beneath the cloth and in the casket, alive. But even so, everyone hated him so much that they didn't care to look. If he was alive in that box, let him rot in the ground was pretty much what they thought. As Period. The, I mean, I'm Period. right there with him. I'm yeah. like, shit, I ain't going over there. Bye. I wouldn't even put one of them damn bells above his casket. No. Bye, Josh. Ain't never bet nobody good named Josh. I'm just be real. <laughs> so, it's just a bad name. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> Not sorry. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> as the procession began, the horses attempted to pull Phipps up the hill to the cemetery, but they couldn't move. The horses dug their hooves so deep into the ground that it began making ruts and holes, but they still didn't move. Someone brought two more horses up and attached them to the carriage. They now had four workhorses trying to pull the carriage with a casket inside, and eventually they did move. They pulled the carriage very slowly to the top of the hill, but everyone that was in attendance said that it looked as if the carriage had an unbearable weight in the back, that the wheels began to turn abnormally and they would crack under this mysterious weight. Once they reached the top of the hill, a strike of lightning hit in the middle of a tree, splitting it in half, sending one half of the tree onto the path up to the cemetery. Of course, everyone in attendance started whispering. They were like, this is the devil. This is the devil. And so they were like, we're still going to go for them to bury him, but Satan's here. But they're still going to go. There's evil afoot. But well, they're, they're going to hang they out. Thought. They're going to hang out, though. Yeah. We, that, you know what? At the end of the day, it, people don't change. Like, No, they don't. <laughs> your neighbors are going to see just what the fuck's going on. Exactly. <laughs> they're going to hang out and they're going to find out. Yep. That is something we would do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just be, if something's going on outside, I'm going to just be outside just vacuuming my lawn. Just exactly. see what the neighbor's yelling about. Just, <laughs> I'm just dusting the driveway. <laughs> mm-hmm. So six of the men gathered and they got the casket out of the back of the carriage and they just carried it over the fallen tree and to the side of the grave. There, the pastor was waiting and he gave Phipps his final words before they were going to lay the casket in his um, little hole in the ground. And out of nowhere, the river began to bubble and boil, and the current rapidly picked up. The thunder from the storm that was coming in got louder and louder, and the people looked as the casket started to move. It vibrated like thousands of flies were inside. And they heard the sound of claws scratching at the inside of the casket, as if something was trying to get out. Suddenly, a huge black dog... Oh, there it is. There it is. I was waiting on it. (laughs) busted through the casket lid and ran through the grass while growling at the people and showing its glowing red eyes. It did one last circle around the grave and then it ran off and disappeared into the woods. Phipps was buried with a quickness and then everybody left. They were like, you know what? We stuck around and we found out. We found out. We fucked around and we found out and now we're leaving. Okay, we put his little box in the ground and we out because... That's no puppy. F- that that's not man's best friend. That's not what that was. No, <laughs> that was Satan's best friend. That was Satan's best friend. <laughs> but after the whole dog situation and running around, when they went to put his casket in the ground, real real quick, like 
The casket was completely unharmed. Nothing was broken. Everything was fine. And they were like, okay, fuck it. Now we're really out like Sprout. Mm -hmm. So he got buried and all that good stuff for the couple people that hung out to bury him, which I'm sure it was probably slaves. And as everyone left and went back to their carriages, it was said that they could hear laughing. And it was the laughing of Joshua Phipps, that motherfucker. Mm. He just giggling in his little box. His little giggle box. His little, gi- <laughs> his little giggle box. His little giggle box. He's so funny. After two weeks, those living in the mansion started to report hearing animals running through the halls at nighttime. More specifically, a dog. A dog. Mm. And shadows moving in and out of the walls. Most notably, they heard Joshua's laughing. And sometimes he would appear at the end of their beds and would rip the covers off of him so that they could not sleep. And I'm like, here's, you know, you were such a shit stain to society while you were alive. And then you come back and your fucking haunt is to take the blankies off of people. You was a bitch the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to take your covers. I'm going to get Like, what a fuck? Anyway, I'm like, that's all you gave us? And that's all you got? Like, <laughs> that's it? Okay. Then the slaves started coming to the new owners of the mansion, reporting of seeing Phipps with a black dog with glowing red eyes, tormenting... Tormenting. 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 I got it that time. In their rooms at nighttime. The owners, to try to calm everybody down, they were like, he's dead. He's not coming in your room at night. He's not trying to harm you. He's up there at the top of that hill in a box. And they were like, no, he's not. He's been in our homes every night, fucking with us, and he's alive. So the owners were like, okay, we will take you up there. We will dig up his grave to prove to you that he is six feet under. And they were like, okay, we'll feel better if he's in there. But if he's not, we're going to have a problem. We're going to have issues. Sometime in the following days, they did just that. They gathered all of the slaves that were still living on the grounds up and everyone that was living in the house, and they took them up to the graveyard, and they started digging up his grave. They pulled the casket out, and what was inside sent chills through everyone who witnessed it. It was empty. There was no Joshua. There was nothing but a handful of tufts of black hair in the box. The dirt above the grave, before they began digging, was completely undisturbed. And everyone was like, what the fuck? And all of the people, the slaves that were saying, he's in our room. They were like, see, see, (laughs) fucking told you. (laughs) So they were exhausted. They wanted some fucking sleep. They were sick of this asshole. Even in his afterlife, he was ruining their lives. And they were like, we'll fix it our damn selves. And so one night they went up there and they destroyed his headstone and they desecrated his grave. And then there was one little piece of Joshua still left. Do you remember his his little mistress mm-hmm. that was also cruel to the other slaves? Yes. Yeah, they went and took her one night and they beat the shit out of her and they beat her until she died and her body was never discovered. And I don't know if they fried green tomatoed her ass and they ate her or what. They, ne- they never found a single trace of that woman. Oh. Mm-hmm. One can only assume, but I'm like... Maybe she's maybe she's in the river. Am I upset about it? Maybe she's in the river, though. Maybe. Too, you know? Maybe. Mm. Who knows what they did with her. Hmm. 
Maybe they buried her under one of those little cells. Maybe. So, is his headstone still there? I mean, I know they desecrated it, but like... Because um, I haven't seen it. Like, I... I'll show you a picture afterwards. Uh-huh. Um, I can't share it with you all because it's my little cousin. He wanted to take a picture in front of it once when I was taking him back home after swimming. Um, but there are Phipps headstones up there. I just don't know if maybe that's Priscilla or... I don't know who it is. I, you can just see in the background of the picture that I took of him, mm-hmm. um, Phipps on the top of the headstone. But you can't see, like, the rest of it. You can only see, like, part of Phipps. Hmm. So, I don't know. We need to go up there and look. Because you can go up there and look. Yeah, I just wonder if anybody's ever tried to, like, you know, look again and see if someone's in there. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. As far as I could find, I don't think that he's up there anymore. Like, I don't think that they put a headstone back up there or anything. And I don't know that he's even still, like, if they left, like, the empty casket up there or what. I don't I don't know. When it said desecrated, I don't know what all they did. Hell, they might have dug it up and then thrown that casket, that empty casket in the river for all we fucking know. I don't know. Right. Because, um, obviously, it's hard to keep up with details for the time, you know. But yeah. um, whatever they did with him, I don't, you know. It would be interesting to know where he is, but I don't, like, care. Like <laughs> Right. Well, just because they said he's not there, so it's kind of like... Yeah, it's like, where did he... Yeah, so I, I want to know if somebody's, you know, yeah. found a body or found bones, you yeah. know? <laughs> In the 1940s, after the mansion was passed to a new owner, previously it had been bought by the state of Tennessee, and then it was sold to another family. I could not find their names anywhere. Renovations were being made to the mansion, and you know what they say about haunted places and renovations, and you just shouldn't do it because it'd be stirring up their shit, and they don't like it. And that's what they did. They stirred up their shit, and the ghost didn't like it. One of the men that was working on the home was witnessed seeing a ghost. He got seen seeing a ghost. Other crew members said that they were just working downstairs in the basement. They were having some plumbing and some electrical stuff worked on downstairs. And they looked over because he had just froze. And he was looking up at something, and they said that he was just paper white. They said that he screamed ran up the stairs, through the house, into a work van, and left. Later in the day, they were able to get a hold of the man, and they met him, not at the mansion, because he said that he would never come back, and he never did. And he shared with them what he had seen. He told the other man that he just had the feeling that he was being watched, and we've all had that feeling, and you do just kind of start looking around. Um, Unfortunately for him, he did see something looking back when he looked around. At the top of the basement stairs, he said that a man appeared in a black suit with a large black dog with red eyes at his side. He said that the dog was growling at him, showed its teeth, and then lunged at him. Said it chased him all the way through the house, out into the van, and then some down the road before it dissipated behind him. Yeah. Hmm. People have also said that they have seen the apparitions of former slaves on the grounds and inside the mansion, wandering the property, slaves that were never freed from their owner even in the afterlife which i find terribly sad most of the ghosts that roam the grounds are harmless everyone says all except for joshua and his little hellhound puppy they say that during strong thunderstorms that you can hear the hellhound bang and screaming all while phipps laughs the mansion is now owned by a doctor who was an ob she's lived there for the past 30 years and the doctor says that she has never seen or heard anything that made her think that the house is truly haunted and she's never had any issues in the home in terms of ghosts. She reports that it's just a lovely little historic home. Hmm. 
So, whether you believe in ghosts or not, that's the story of Rotherwood. Of Rotherwood Mansion. And it is sad and disturbing. Mm -hmm. So, I have a kind, like a, a story kind of connected. Okay. And take this for what you will. I don't know if I necessarily believe in, in ghosts and whatnot. Um, That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard you say. <laughs> I don't know. I'm completely pondering our friendship right now. Oh, my God. I mean, okay. Here's here's what I, do I, I don't think they're as common as people like to make them out to be. Like those ghost shows and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like... Well, I think most of, a lot of that is fake. Yes, that's what, yeah. But, I mean, I'm not saying that everyone who's think they've seen something is lying or, you know, it's a figment of their imagination or whatever. But one day when I was, it was, I was probably 17, I guess. Now, there is a place near Rotherwood called Sensible Tunnel. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as you know, very well know, um, but for the listeners who don't, Sensible Tunnel is another place in Kingsport that has some history to it mm-hmm. and is known to be a haunted Yeah, to be place. haunted. Yeah. And it is just like one of those rites of passage it really you know, is around, around here, here to to go to Sensible Tunnel. Um, and there's the main tunnel like people can drive through and then there's the original sense of all tunnel well i had a friend who was from new york and actually avalyn who has done our cover art Mm -hmm. um shout out to avalyn um but so she's she's from new york and one day and her parents and her and her siblings moved, you know, they moved down here and had been living here for a while, but they had never, she had never been to Sensible Tunnel. And I was like, Avalyn, you have to go. Like, it's just, you have it's to. It's a thing it's to a go thing, you know? and turn your car off. and Yeah. Um, and we, and you kind of have to pass Rotherwood to get to Sensible. Well, you don't have to, but the way I went, I passed Rotherwood. Yeah. And coming from the direction I was coming from. Mm-hmm. And I turned down the road ahead of Sensible, and it's really close to Rotherwood where I was. And, you know, they say that you can see Rowena walking up and down the shore of the river, mm-hmm. the Polson River, um, looking for her husband. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, when I see what I see in the corner of my eye, I'm like, my brain's just making this up because I know the story, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I thought I seen a woman in like a white, Gown. Gown. Yeah. And I was like, my, my my brain is just playing tricks on me, right? Um, and I tried to ignore it, but I but I was kind of visibly like I saw, you know, in the corner of my eyes, like, why am I why is my brain doing this? Mm-hmm. And I look over at Avelyn, because I'm driving, but I kind of look over at her, and Avelyn's already pretty pale. Um, but she was like, for lack of a better term, white as a ghost. And I was like, What? And she's like, Did you? Did you just see that? And I was like, see what? And she was like, that that woman. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I was like, what woman? She goes, the woman in the white. Did you not see her? And I was like, Evelyn, shut up right now. <laughs> Be so for real right now. So take that for what you will. I don't know. But Evelyn and I, we compared notes without knowing. And, it, you know, so take it for what you will. Maybe you saw Rowena. Maybe I saw Rowena. Wow. So, yeah. 
spooky. Spooky. <laughs> so, I don't know. And Avalyn didn't know any of the history. Right. You know, um, because she didn't even know about Sensible Tunnel before I told her. You know, I was yeah. like, you, you gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta turn the car off yep. and sit there. And <laughs> yep. So, turn all the lights off. Yep. It's a whole thing. It is. Walk through it. See if you can make it to the mm-hmm. other side. So, yeah. I may, and I may do Sensible Tunnel this month. Talk about Sensible Tunnel. I know your dad really doesn't want me to. Yeah. It's kind of overdone. And there's so... M- I'll tell you why. At the If she does it, I'll tell you why at the end of her episode. Yeah. Um, I also have an additive that links the two, but I think I'll save it for your episode. Because okay. I don't want to ruin one of the stories. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. But Well, that concludes our first October episode. Yes. We, you know, this month we're just kind of doing spooky shit and it, you know, a lot of spooky shit involves true crime anyway, so. Yep. Yep. It's our favorite And then at the end of like a, like an episode that was like research-based, we're just going to share like a personal story. So that's what Kayla just did. She welcomed, I did the first like research thing and she welcomed us with our first ghost story, personal story. Mm -hmm. So anyways, thanks guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a spooky month. Yes, have the spookiest month. Bye. Bye. We'd like to thank Mikey Kinley for audio and editing and our friend Avalyn Yulaberry for our cover art. Make sure to like and follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Our Instagram is M3Podcast and you can find us on Facebook under the name of our podcast, which is Murder Mayhem. And we're low. <laughs>